listening to the Heart Podcast with Harpreet Bandir. Welcome back to the Heart Podcast. My name is Jagraz Lali, and I'm pleased to be joined by someone I've known for about a year and a half now, almost coming up on two years, really. Uh, I'm being joined today by the commissioner of the Junior Prospects Hockey League, Mr. Richard Nolt. Richard, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Jag. Happy to be here and uh, good to see you again. Yeah, and you know, it's crazy to think just when the JPHL had started, it started in September of 2022. That was really the first month with that first showcase in Calgary. And the first time that you guys came here to Delta was in October, the first week of October. And I had actually found out about this opportunity through school. A email was given through school and I never second, I never thought about it twice. You know, that was the first opportunity I jumped on and it was really you guys that allowed me to get started on my broadcast career. So, you know, just uh, a thank you for that. And it's just crazy to think how much time has passed since then. You know, it is crazy. It, it almost feels like we're living in dog years, you know, one to seven ratio, uh, just with everything that's changed and so much things that have happened, it doesn't feel like, you know, a year and a half since we first shook hands. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's the thank you goes to you, Jag, you came in here and I think we're a great judge of people in terms of understanding, you know, the energy that people carry and the commitment and and the work ethic and stuff like that. And uh, you came in, you're dressed to the nines always are. And uh, when you're working on in, in the arena and, um, you know, I'll never forget, you just showed that commitment and willingness to to continue learning and, and applying your craft. And um, I think you're a natural at it to begin with. So you got that going for you already, which a lot of people have to, uh, you know, work hard to get to that that threshold to begin with. But you came in with a ton of natural talent and skill set. And I think just your 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 heart and your, your work ethic just are going to take you um, uh, a long ways in this industry. So the thank you goes to you, brother. It really does start with how, actually, Richard, you said this at the start of the year, that the JPHL, it's not just a development for the players, it's for the uh, it's for the officials, for the broadcasters, for the coaches, and you could really see through that. And I personally, like I talked to Dean at the start of the year when we were getting the schedule figured out and everything, right? And I told Dean that, okay, I want to do play-by-play for just strictly play-by-play because I feel like I've improved a lot from the previous year, and I feel like I have a lot more to give. And I feel like... like me personally, I'm not one to judge myself, but I do feel like from my perspective of things, I have been getting that improvement. Like I feel a lot better about my calls now as well. And you guys, you know, the over the crew at For Vengeance as well, they they keep on providing me with the opportunity to come out and call showcases for you guys, like with the players as well. Just uh, having a chance to talk to the players a lot more now, now that I'm going down to the coaches, getting those coaches uh, talks pregame or interviewing the players as well. You know, you kind of familiarize yourself with all of these guys and they end up remembering you as well. I think it's uh, there's there's so many parallels and alignments with with the sport itself and whether it's hockey, soccer, tennis, golf, um, you know, whether it's you're your writing computer programs or whatnot, um, you know, the 10,000 hour rule is something I think that comes into effect in, in everything we do. And it's about getting those reps and, and having the ability to get comfortable, you know, whether you're on a call uh, or whether you're on the ice or whether you're behind a camera um, or whether you're in the stripes with a whistle in your hand as an official in our league. Um, I think just providing people um, those reps and those opportunities 
it allows us to continue to grow and develop. And so for an athlete, we've kind of developed a, you know, an academy style model where we infuse academics with athletics that we're managing the burnout ratio because at the end of the day, these high-end athletes, the, you know, the elite athletes, they need and they crave and they want those reps because the sport is so specialized. And um, at the same time, if you're going to school all day and coming home at four o'clock at night, trying to shovel in some dinner quickly and then rip into the rink in a car with mom or dad and then practicing for an hour, an hour and a half, getting undressed, coming home and then cracking open the textbooks. You know, it's eight o'clock at night before you do that. There's really no downtime for those athletes. And, and so it can be tough. And that's where burnout creeps in. I think by us infusing the athletics into their academic school day, they come home a modern sport family and actually now has a rare opportunity to have a dinner together. And now that athlete has a chance to be a kid at home, whether it's honestly playing a video game, watching TV, shooting some hoops with friends, um, just having some downtime, doing extra homework and studies. I mean, that's where you get that work-life balance. And, and honestly, it's no different for officials. It's no different for our media team. It's no different for yourself is you got to provide those reps and those opportunities and I think that's when you're going to see people excel at what they do. So um, that's something we've really come to, to learn to, to focus on and something we're pretty proud about. Yeah. So just for our, our listeners that may or may not know, obviously I've known about the JPHL for ever since really its inception. But could you just give us an overview of the league and what sets it apart from other junior hockey leagues? Sure. So, you know, I, I don't want to come across as if we're um, – you know, reinventing the wheel or anything like that. There's traditional models that exist out there in the community, in the sport of hockey that already does infuse academics with athletics. But I think at the end of the day, what we're doing different is, is on a lot of different levels. Um, we can talk about accessibility. We can talk about accessibility from a financial piece where a lot of a cap traditional models are, you know, 10 to 40, $50,000 more per year than we are. So we're trying to basically attack that financial piece. We know sports are not, uh, I, I would say, affordable. We're trying to make it accessible. It's still expensive. But when you play in our league, we, we believe that we can save our, our student athletes ten to $50,000 a year after tax dollars. You play in the JPHL for four years, and that's a full-ride scholarship, or that's a fantastic down payment on a house uh, for a graduating student. So you know, hopefully we can help mom, dad, or the grandparents not have to grab second mortgages for kids to play U14 hockey. I think the other accessibility piece beyond the financial piece is, and actually let me go back a little bit and rewind is, you know, we're not doing this by cutting corners. We're actually trying to provide more, more value and lower the price that much substantially. So, you know, our kids, when, when we travel, if it's winter months, they fly, they don't bus. Uh, they are two kids per hotel room, not four like the other models. So we're trying to give these kids kind of a pro experience or a junior experience, um, but also not have to, you know, sort of mortgage the farm to do so. I think the other accessibility piece that I was getting at is through the broadcasts and, and, and through what you've experienced, Jag, is we're trying to, you know, you leverage our broadcast and media um, competencies and, and, you know, our passion for, for that industry and, and couple that with or infuse that and combine it with the hockey side, the sporting side. And now we have 
you know, families or, or a broadcast that's touching extended families in nine to 13 different countries um, on any given broadcast where extended family get to watch their relatives play hockey for the first time in their lives. That's something we're really proud about. And, and that is a big part of that accessibility. And so you can take those broadcasts and, and you can now funnel it into that piece. You can also look at just the ability for mom and dad not to maybe have to travel and save some money. You can look at it from a coach's perspective where now we we funnel that broadcast, that high quality broadcast into a video analysis technology for analytics where shifts and games are broken down for the athletes and sent to them or a team is using it for video review purposes. Um, so I, I think there's, there's a lot of accessibility pieces that the JPHL is kind of leveraging and focusing upon in terms of de the delivery of hockey today. Really, as you were mentioning before, the JPHL is so great in, in infusing academics along with hockey. How does the league prioritize their player development both on and off the ice? Well, at the end of the day, we have some pretty strict standards. And, and the way we, you know, the way we started the league a year and a half ago was that it was all internally owned, meaning that every franchise, we call them hubs in the JPHL. So every hub was internally owned by the league. And the reason we did that is, you know, we've got a hub in Lloydminster, we got a hub in Lethbridge or Edmonton, Calgary, but then we have the hubs in BC. And I think most people will understand and, and, and um, respect the fact that costs tend to be a little bit lower in Alberta than they do BC. So ice time in, in Alberta, just because we have more access to arena facilities, the ice costs per hour are much cheaper, but we didn't want athletes in Alberta skating twice as much as the athletes in BC simply due to cost. So we didn't want people to have to sort of um, lose opportunity just simply due to those costs. So what we did is we we basically started up the league and, and all the individual respective hubs and, and we centralized the costs and standardized them and so that we had an even threshold across the board. Now, there's no doubt in the JPHL, things evolve and have changed quickly. And um, I'm excited and I'm proud to state that we're the first league in North America to kind of implement a, a European soccer model where we've basically vertically integrated our programs and our development all the way through from U14 all the way up into junior hockey. And, and I would even extend that statement into the HSL and our HPL um, brothers and sisters in BC, where those younger ages now you can start at U7 and it's connected all the way up through junior hockey and into, you know, potentially even NCAA college and or pro uh, hockey as well. You've seen it firsthand as well. And competitiveness is definitely something that exists in sports all throughout. As a commissioner, as someone who watches these games all the time, how do you maintain a balance between competitiveness and fostering a positive developmental environment for these young athletes? Well, that's a wicked question, Jag. You know, a lot of the other models, because we've all come from there prior to the JPHL existing. And so we brought in a lot of experienced hockey people, but we all knew on the other side of the fence in those traditional models in the past that it was a very cannibalistic culture in terms of everyone's fighting for their own and you eat what you kill and, and whatnot. Here we have a very strict mandate that our coaches work together. We have a very strict mandate about implementing a culture of cooperation. And so part of that is done through policy. Part of that is done through our showcase formats. 
Um, you know, so from a policy perspective, we have a universal affiliation agreement in place throughout the JPHL and even into the BCHL. Uh, we have athletes that have um, leveled up and played in the BCHL from all different clubs into the junior club, not just the ones that are attached from a junior club into a U18 program. So the, the universal aspect's fantastic. And I'll go back to last year, you know, we had a Titans U15 program and a Titans U18 program. And we had Titan U15 athletes that were playing for Lloyd U18. And so I'll never forget, I seen video of it. You know, the Titan parents meet the bus in a parking lot to go down to Calgary last year. And the Lloyd bus was picking them up. And, you know, all the Lloyd players got off in the middle of winter and they went to the athletes or the parents' car and they got the players, the affiliate players' um, luggage and, and gear out of the trunk of their car. One, one Lloyd Minster player took off his team jacket gave it to the new player that was joining them as an affiliate and welcomed them to the team and onto the bus and away they went. Like, you know, those things are, are awesome celebrations and stories about just collaboration and, and how our league works from a policy side. We have a lot of coaches that sit together before games um, and they'll share each other's forechecks and system play and they'll push each other. We have others that will talk to scouts and talk about other players that they compete against and give their perspectives and, to, and encouraging them to go talk to those players or teams over there. And so I, I think we've done that through our showcase format where everything is connected and, you know, no different than what we'll see in, in Delta on January 4th to 7th is the entire league's in one place at one time. You know, whether you're U14, 15, 17, 18, we're all there together. Myself, we're boots on the ground from a governance perspective. As a commissioner, I'll be there. You'll be there. You know, I'm sure we're going to shake hands, share a few laughs and tell some stories and, and you know, go through some experiences of, of some JPHL hockey. But at the same time, all these coaches, these families, a lot of them are going to be there too. And that's what develops relationships and relationships are what connect people. And, and I think those connections are really important to us in this league. Yeah, no, speaking about that Delta weekend, we have a total of 56 games in that four to five day span. And I'm happy to say that I'm going to be calling about 20 of those games. And it really, I was really, I'm really honest with you. I was watching the winter championship, which we'll get into later on. I was watching it from my home here this weekend and I was really envious because I wasn't there to, you know, see all this competitive hockey firsthand. And it was honestly such a blessing to watch. And I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to be able to come Cover that in January, but really just continuing on to the competitive sort of things. Hockey is really competitive, as I mentioned, whether, whether it's playoff hockey, whether it's the winter championship, for example, it sometimes gets to the players. The pressure does get to the players. How does the JPHL support the well-being and the mental health of its players, considering the, the demands and the pressures of competitive sports? I think we do it through a couple different layers. One is we've partnered with Elite Athlete Services. And so there's a gentleman, a uh, couple of gentlemen, uh, Cody Cuthill, um, as well as Dr. D uh, Dr. Morazic. And these are very progressive individuals in those industries. And, you know, Dr. Morazic works with the Edmonton Oilers. He works with Connor McDavid directly. He's worked with the CFL. Uh, these are guys that help us work on our concussion protocols from a medical standpoint, but also layer in all the mental health aspects through the season so that we provide our athletes with different sessions periodically through the season. And we've designed it with a purpose as to the timing. So, you know, at the beginning of the year, we put all our kids through all our athletes through a uh, public speaking session 
And we know that we're going to be subjecting them to a ton of interviews. Uh, as you would know, Jag, you've been on many of those. And, and so, you know, we, we interview our athletes before the games in, in intermissions and, and post games and stuff like that. And there's a purpose to that. We can get into that a little bit later. So I don't lose track of your question. Um, but from a, a mental health aspect, you know, that partnership's been very valuable to us. You know, sometimes we're talking about sleep hygiene. Sometimes we're talking about nutrition. Those are all things that are connected uh, to the mental health of our athletes. I will say the other aspect is just being a model that while we're vertically integrated with junior hockey and with our connection of each year in the JPHL from 14, 15, 17, 18, it's all connected. It all has a purpose. At, at the end of the day, the, the governance piece is really important. Every other model that exists out there, I, I challenge anybody uh, to this conversation is that our governance is embedded with our athletes meaning that we're hands-on and boots on the ground. We are there. We're there to talk to them. If something goes down, we're, we're on site, whether it's dealing with a parent, dealing with a tragic situation, someone dealing with some difficulties. Um, we're very, very in tune and have our thumb on the pulse as opposed to a lot of other models that unfortunately the board members or the executives of those leagues, they're never on site with their athletes. And, and that's where the sport is occurring. That's where the relationships are occurring or not. And, and I think that's where we're a little bit different. We are infused right on site uh, in the arena. And so sometimes I think that we can be more proactive as a result. Um, we take all the, I guess, sundry items off of a coach's plate when you work inside of the JPHL. So a, a typical head coach in, in a traditional model might have to be worried about booking hotels and booking restaurants and stuff like that for, for a tournament they're going to. Whereas for us, when you're showcasing here and, and working in our league as a coach, um, we have an internal operations team that does all that for you. So you're no longer the travel agent. You're no longer the statistician. You're no longer the cook in the kitchen that's setting up the meals. We do all that for you. So guess what? Our leaders can lead. Our leaders can spend time with the athletes. That's what matters. And, and that's a core determinant, I believe, in being proactive with mental health, with disciplinary issues. I'll also say we I have multiple league hearings here and there with coaches or, or athletes and parents. And they're not overly serious incidents from, you know, if you're reading a transcript about it. But at the end of the day, it's a proactive approach where maybe we stop a snowball from turning into an avalanche just simply because we are getting to uh, the roots of different causes and different mechanisms that cause, you know, anxiety or cause disciplinary issues. So, For sure. And I know you touched on uh, what differentiates the JPHL from other leagues is specifically the broadcast as well. Now, going back to the beginning of the league, the origins for Vengeance Media has been the JPHL's broadcast provider from the very start. So really, how did the partnership between the league and for Vengeance begin? I think it was organic, to be honest. I think they were... I don't want to say both born at the same time out of fruition, but I mean, at the end of the day, we had a lot of people uh, that were experts in the industry, you know, uh, from Ewan, uh, Brandon Iwashishin to, to, to others, Caden uh, and, and other guys that were working inside of our um, group with the, you know, the Spruce Grove Saints and, and managing all their media and broadcast and radio and, and all those other major important aspects to a, a junior franchise, a successful one. 
And I think what this did is, you know, um, many junior teams will play, you know, 60 games, 60 plus games a year. But now when you uh, look at a JPHL broadcasting experience, like you said, I mean, you're looking at 50 to, to, you know, 80, 90 games a weekend in some special cases, you know, like we had with the winter championships, we're talking a whole different volume of broadcasting. And so I think with our scalability of the JPHL along came with it, the for vengeance scalability, but you got to, it all starts with people, whether it's family, community, sports, um, business, it's, it's all about the people Jag. Um, and, and that's why people like you are so special to us. And, and I think the people like we have now Dean and, and Brandon that are just really um, taking this company and it's just exploding with growth. Championship Sunday this past Sunday, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, it absolutely exceeded my expectations. It completely blew my mind, especially having Dean Prince, uh, sorry, Gene Prince Bay and Dean Millard on there as well. You know, Dean with a great job hosting. Gene still had his puns going on as well, you know, with the breakfast as well going on. I, I'm just telling you, uh, Richard, it was unbelievable to watch, but from your perspective, we have broadcasts all throughout the year as well. So Championship Sunday was its own thing. But the broadcasts that we do in general as well with the interviews and with, you know, the media timeout, all the intermission segments that we have as well as Dean's Game Changer show is usually playing during our intermissions. If you were to pick out one of your favorite aspects or features of our broadcast, which one do you believe resonates the most with the viewers? I would say... I mean, it's a fairly holistic proposition, Jag. Um, I, I think the people in, in, that are viewing it are enthralled with the overall package of, of you know, what's being presented to them and raising the industry standard and creating this threshold level of expectancy that's very, very high and full of quality. Um, you know, I, I think something that's quite special, and I've, I've heard it before, and people might think I get insulted by it, but people call us like, oh, you're the TikTok league. You guys are social media and broadcasting. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't we celebrate these kids? We love them. They're fantastic. They're talented and, and they're wicked people off the ice. Um, you know, and, and so I, I think at the end of the day, for me personally, I'm really proud of the interviews. I think that connects with families back home because it shows you the personality of the players involved. And it's a lot easier to cheer for and watch people that you get to understand who they are and what they're about and what makes them tick a little bit. And I think it's a lot of fun to watch. I get a lot of comments from parents and feedback that from the beginning of the year to when their kid is getting interviewed for the first time to the end of the year, that migration or that evolution of skill set and confidence behind a camera with a mic in their hand is powerful and strong and it's visual. And so I get a lot of appreciation for that. I think it's special for the families that are watching too, where they get to see a loved one, a family member getting interviewed. Um, and I think it's a great life skill for these athletes going on, whether it's going to be professional sports or junior hockey or just life in general. I think it breeds confidence on and off the ice. I think public speaking skills are something that will strongly transcend into the workplace life later on. Um, and if they you know, want to go down that junior hockey and collegiate hockey or pro hockey stream, hey, let's face it, there's a ton of media there and they could understand or feel comfortable like they've been there and done that with all those cameras and mics in their face guess what they can focus on the hockey and if they can if you can create that opportunity um i i think those kids have an opportunity to really uh perform better 
and, and find some further success at those levels. 84 games last week, quite, quite an experience at the brand new silent ice center, which by the way, absolutely gorgeous. I'm, I'm still jealous of the fact that I haven't been able to come out and check it out, but that's on my bucket list. So I promise you I'll yeah. be, I'll be out there uh, one day, but what inspired the creation of the winter championship as an in-season tournament? The NBA had an in-season tournament as well, but you know, this is something that's carrying over from last year. So really when you were creating this whole idea, what was the idea behind it? Well, I think at the end of the day, you, you can take a, a, a season for these athletes and sort of chop it up into segments. And, you know, the beginning of the season is really exciting because everybody's excited to get back into the rink from a, a strong, you know, off season of training. And, and they're just, you know, really excited to get going with, you know, the competitive juices flowing. And then as that sort of wears off, they've played a lot of league showcases. We figured that, you know, mid-season is a great time to introduce a new format, a tournament format, an elimination format, a do or die format where, you know, they're playing for something as well, not just a league showcase where they're, you know, going for a, a winning record maybe or or maybe having a competitive result um so i think at the end of the day the winter championships provide that for us it also we use our special events as pilot projects to introduce a lot of different elements and so this last winter championship we introduced a completely different overtime format normally as you would know jag all of our overtimes go into 3v3 with a shootout much like the nhl this time in this winter championship we introduced um, a, basically a five minute overtime segment where every minute you had to remove a player off the ice. So you start five on five, four on four, three on three, and eventually you go to one on one. Once you get there, we go tell someone scores. It doesn't matter how long it takes. And we had one game that went, I believe it was 12 overtime periods. And, and there was, I think six or seven of those were one V one, which is amazing. It was absolutely electric. And, uh, you know, you can pull your goalie to make it a two, two versus one scenario too. It's up to the coaches to strategize. And we do that because it's fun and, and it's, it's a great change, but it also gets the players to develop in different ways and coaches to strategize differently. So it has developmental purposes as well. Um, not just fun stuff. HC Edmonton was really viewed as the real dominant force in most, if not all of the divisions coming into the tournament. But we had different winners in each division, especially the Okanagan Hockey Club in the U18 division as well. So as a commissioner, how do you feel knowing the development in all of these hubs is really thriving? I, I think it's wonderful. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, I always say give it till Christmas time. Let, let the coaches work with the teams. Let them you know, uh, sort of uh, form and, and norm and perform and, and, and get to that level where they're familiar with one another. And usually at Christmas time is when you start to see it click. And yeah, HC Edmonton is, they've, they've built a beast at all four age groups uh, in, in that hub and whatnot. And, and they've had a great first half of the season. And they were right there in the winter championships as well. They had a great weekend, albeit maybe not the results they all wanted. But I think having, you know, uh, four different JPHL winter champions is great for the league, um, for everybody involved. It just shows that parity. It shows the uh, evolution of development within the model. There were many scouts and reps present uh, at the winter championship as well as some from the Seattle Thunderbirds, who I actually had the pleasure of 
playing against our Vancouver Giants here in Langley this past Sunday. And uh, two players on that Seattle team, Antonio Maturana and Sam Charco, former alumni of the Titans Hockey Union. So it was really nice to see, um, you know, the JPHL being represented in the Western Hockey League. But having those scouts and reps there, what was it like? I think it's good. We're, we're very fortunate. We have a scouting department that we dedicate solely to this, you know, part of, of the sport and part of the league. Um, we do see these scouts quite often. Um, every showcase we have WHL, AJHL and BCHL scouts present. So we're very fortunate that, that the, the games and the weekends are well attended. This was a little bit larger of an impact where we had a lot of GMs fly in or owners of junior teams and whatnot. So I think it was great to just showcase and share a true JPHL experience with them of that magnitude. Um, it, it felt great to share the the new Silent Ice Center with them in that format with that, you know, leverage the event at the same time. And, you know, it's a, I think it's a fairly lethal combination between the two. So um, just being able to share that with the scouts and GMs was was a lot of fun. Uh, some other JPHL news that broke uh, a few weeks ago that with the Island Hockey Club, the lone team over on the Vancouver Island, the JPHL sought out to change that and acquired the Victoria Grizzlies for the upcoming season as well. So how did that all come together and how excited are you for another BC team being added to the JPHL? Uh, we're seeing a lot of growth in that province without a doubt. Um, a lot of interest both ways, um, you know, uh, programs wanting into the JPHL and, and you know, our, us reciprocating that interest with a lot of those junior programs because a lot of them have very successful brands, um, a lot of core competencies already in terms of the opportunity to, to partner with people that, you know, have excellence in um, hockey operations already. And like I said, having that opportunity to provide our athletes and our officials uh, that chance to level up into junior hockey, I think, is phenomenal. Um, you know, the Victoria Grizzlies are a fantastic brand, very well known. They're having a very successful season this year in the BCHL. And for us on the island, we've we've sort of really been looking forward to the day that, you know, those those athletes in those programs, those student athletes and the families involved don't have to jump on a ferry every time they want to go play a game, that they can actually enjoy some some rivalry games right at home on the island so that's something we're working towards i don't think you're you're seeing the uh the end of our growth or whatnot on vancouver island um i think you'll see us in the future continue to grow in a calculated manner with the victoria grizzlies being added that's going to be seven bc hubs compared to the six alberta hubs now and you know i'm sure you've received this question a lot before but can we expect a tournament style or a championship style tournament here in bc anytime soon i think we're continuing to work towards that i think we get closer to that by the day you know we've with the silent ice center kind of you know opening this year it was really important to us to celebrate that. Um, it's, it's a special venue. It's a state of the art facility. That's, you know, one of it, one of a kind literally in Western Canada. So we wanted to celebrate that and it is set up as a, as an a entertainment and event venue. So it makes a lot of sense for us to, you know, host a lot of events there, but um, at the same time, our relationships are really growing with, within the JPHL and, and just around us in the hockey community. So we're now having hockey communities contact us and saying, hey, we understand the volume and, and the ability of what you guys are 
are able to bring to a community on a weekend by weekend basis. So there's there's been a fairly strong interest in that. And I think if we find the right fit uh, in terms of venue, which will align with our expectations of what we want to deliver as a hockey experience for our athletes, um, you'll see that happen. And, and again, it, it all starts with what's best for the athlete. And, and we want that experience to be top notch. I know for me, especially with me, like the like calling these teams and being able to call these players, it's sort of become a passion for me as well, because you call a team, you cover a team for so long, you know, you kind of start to, well, I've always loved my job, but like this year, it really has been an added standard where I feel like my, my play-by-play skills have really improved as well, but just I've, I've been feeling a deeper connection to the league this season as well. So, you know, whenever that time comes, I hope uh, I hope I can uh, get to call a couple of playoff games myself and really talking about the JPHL playoffs as well as we uh, we approach our final few moments here. Um, is the playoff format changing at all this year from last year? So it's fairly similar, and, and you sort of brought up something uh, I should have mentioned about the Winter Championships that'll that'll connect to the playoffs in terms of changes. And so in the Winter Championships, something we didn't change, and we took this from Major League Baseball from the All-Star Game, is the winners of the, the uh, JPHL Winter Championships actually maintain home ice, de- home team designation throughout the playoffs and championships, regardless of where they seed. And regardless if they're playing somewhere, someone that's higher than them in the standings, they are the home team throughout. So, you know, taking this conversation now to the JPHL playoffs mm-hmm. and championships this spring, um, there is one small change in terms of the U18 division. We've got six teams in Alberta and four in BC. And it's important that we get to an Alberta champion as well as a BC champion that will all enter the final weekend of championships. So what we're doing on the Alberta side uh, to make sure that, you know, we're aligned and, and not playing too much hockey where they're going through a really grueling extra series and then they're competitively at a disadvantage, we're doing an NBA play-in weekend. And so what we're doing in Alberta, there's six teams. And so we're taking seeds three, four, five, and six, and they'll play out of Calgary. And it'll basically be a three-game format where three plays four, five plays six. The winner of three and four goes directly to round one. The loser of three and four will play the winner of five and six the next day. And that winner goes on. And so it'll be a really cool, you know, we're leveraging another professional sport in the NBA, which I believe does a fantastic job with, you know, some of the creativity and different experiences and offerings. Um, I think another major tweak we'll be doing is in the final weekend, the championship weekend in Edmonton, March 15 to 17th, we're going to introduce a video review for our officials. So, you know, having all that technology, having eight cameras like we did, including the white rabbit on the ice uh, from the winter championships, we have the instant replay machines. Um, we're going to leverage that and, and we're going to also uh, leverage the same protocols from the BCHL in that respect so that we can introduce that in Edmonton for the final championships. Will we see uh, the BC final played here in BC this year? So what you're going to see is round one and two in BC. Round one is going to be in Abbotsford and round two is going to be in Vernon, uh, the home of the Vernon Vipers. Wow. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm really looking, uh, I'm really looking forward to having the JPHL playoffs, perhaps round one and two here, but I'm also really looking forward to see how the rest of the season plays out. And I'm looking forward to hopping back on the mic for 
you know, what I consider the best junior league in Canada right now. And Richard, that all starts with you uh, providing us, all of us, an opportunity, not just the players, but the officials, the broadcasters, and uh, myself included. So I am forever grateful uh, to you for giving me this opportunity and allowing me to not just really begin my career, but pursue a dream and passion I've had ever since I was a kid. Thanks, Jag. I, I appreciate that feedback and, and we're thankful in return. Yeah, so we have our big, uh, big January Delta showcase uh, coming up here on January 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. And for anyone who wishes to watch, you can catch it on SilentIceTV.com, the official home of the Junior Prospects Hockey League. Richard, I appreciate you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I had a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in January. Thanks. Happy holidays, Jack. See you soon. Frequency clear.